This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on insurance. I am an attorney who has retired from the practice of law and now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant, an expert witness, an author, and producer of these videos. Today I'd like to speak about the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution as it applies to the tort of bad faith. Insurance companies are understood to be persons who operate in the United States and are entitled to all the rights, benefits, and protections of the U.S. Constitution. The 14th Amendment provides in clear and unambiguous language, quote, No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Close quote. If the law allows an insured to sue for the tort damages that arise as a result of a breach of the covenant of good faith and fair dealing, equal protection should allow an insurer to sue the insured for tort damages as a result of the breach of the same covenant. Some litigants cannot, under our system of constitutional law, be more equal than others, regardless of what George Orwell wrote in the book Animal Farm. Yet until a court agrees, insureds are more equal than their insurer when the covenant of good faith and fair dealing is breached. Although the courts may think so, the insured's breach of the covenant of good faith and fair dealing is also separately actionable as a contract claim, and that some forms of misconduct by an insured will void coverage under the insurance policy. Consider Imperial Casualty and Indemnity versus Sagamonian, a 1988 decision of the California Court of Appeal. The court in Agricultural Insurance versus Superior Court in 1999 found that the California Court of Appeal believed that the contract remedies available to insurers adequately serve to protect an insurer from the insured's misconduct without creating the logical inconsistencies and troublesome complexities of a defense of comparative bad faith. In so doing, the California Court of Appeal ignored the logical inconsistencies and troublesome complexities of the tort of bad faith. What is good for the insured should be good for the insurer, and upheld the insurer's demur to reverse bad faith tort theories, and the trial court 
was sustained without leave to amend. The Court of Appeal, explaining its decision, stated, quote, An insurer has no claim against its insured in tort for breach of the covenant of good faith and fair dealing. A breach of this covenant is, at base, a breach of contract. A relationship including specialized circumstances of reliance and dependence is necessary to transmute such a contractual breach into a tort. Regardless of how silly that sounds, it means that an insured can sue an insurer for breach of the covenant of good faith and fair dealing, while as egregious as a breach an insured commits against the insurer of the same covenant can never, at least in California, be a tort, and the insurer is only allowed contract damages. In the only reported decision in which the Alabama Supreme Court had an opportunity to address the defense of reverse bad faith, it punted in White v. State Farm, a 2006 decision. Indeed, two federal courts presented with a similar argument have refused to recognize such a defense under Alabama law. In, back in California, in Cransco versus American Empire Surplus Lines Insurance Company, a 2000 decision of the California Supreme Court, that court agreed with agricultural and held, quote, an insured does not bear a risk of affirmative tort liability for failing to perform the panoply of indefinite but fiduciary-like obligations contained within the concept of insurance bad faith. Such circumstances do not exist in the context of an insured's responsibilities towards its insurer or in the reciprocal context of an insurer's legitimate expectations from its insured. Close quote. This Comment, as clear and unambiguous as it is, seems to ignore, in my opinion, the three centuries of good faith law that requires that each party to an insurance contract, that is, both the insurer and the insured, must act in such a way as to not deprive the other of the benefits of the contract, and that Concept is the basic requirement for proving a case of the tort of bad faith. So to paraphrase what George Orwell opined in his novel Animal Farm, some litigants are more equal than other litigants, since both the insured and the insurer freely entered into the contract of insurance it would appear only fair if one is allowed to obtain tort damages for breach of the covenant of good faith and fair dealing, that the other should also have the same opportunity. While Connecticut, like California, 
recognizes that every insurance policy carries an implied duty requiring that neither party, neither party do anything that will injure the right of the other to receive the benefits of the contract or the insurance agreement, no Connecticut court has recognized a tort of reverse bad faith against insureds nor are Connecticut courts likely to do so in light of established precedent. It follows that because an insured's breach of the covenant is not actionable in tort, an insurer cannot lessen responsibility for its own tortious conduct by putting forth an affirmative defense of bad faith. Yet the insured can always assert an affirmative defense of bad faith against an insurer who seeks to avoid coverage. And an insured can always seek tort damages if it can prove that the insurer breached the covenant of good faith and fair dealing. Yet an insurer who could prove that the insured committed the tort of bad faith by refusing to assist the insurer in its investigation of a claim or by presenting a false or fraudulent claim has no concern about tort damages and must only find itself without insurance coverage. If an insurer can commit the tort and is obligated to pay tort and punitive damages, an insured who is totally evil, whose only interest in the insurance agreement is to defraud the insurer, who refuses to cooperate with the insurer's investigation, who does everything possible to harm the insurer, for some unknown reason cannot commit the tort. The decisions rejecting a tort of bad faith against an insured who treats the insurer in such a way as to deprive the insurer of the benefits of the insurance contract is as logical as stating that men can commit a battery while women cannot, regardless of how viciously the victim is battered. It is a statement that equal protection applies to all citizens of the United States except insurers, since they can only be the tortfeasor and never the victim of the tort. Because of the lack of equal protection, plaintiffs' lawyers and their clients take advantage of insurers and use their wits and energies to set up the insurer for bad faith tort damages. For example, in Wade versus M. Costco Insurance, a 2007 decision of the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeal, that Court of Appeal recognized that the undisputed evidence in the record showed that plaintiff's counsel's sole reason for rejecting the insurer's offer of settlement made after the running of an arbitrary deadline was his hope to pursue a bad-faith claim against the insurer. As a result, the Tenth Circuit refused to allow the plaintiff to pursue the bad-faith case. The Tenth Circuit also noted 
that although the impetus for insurance bad faith claims derives from the idea that the insured must be treated fairly and his legitimate interests protected, it is designed as a shield for insurers, not as a sword. Courts, the Tenth Circuit concluded, should not permit bad faith in the insurance milieu to become a game of cat and mouse between claimants and insurer, letting claimants induce damages that they then seek to recover while relegating the insurer to the sidelines as if only a mildly curious spectator, specifically echoing arguments made in several law review articles, insurers and commentators like me complain that without reverse bad faith, without an ability of an insurer to sue and, and obtain damages from an insured who acts unfairly and breaches the covenant of good faith and fair dealing, insureds can take a no-risk gamble by seeking punitive damages while their insurers and by extension the shareholders and other policyholders bear the burden of high investigation and defense costs associated with those claims. Current bad faith standards appear to create a windfall for insureds that allows them to get damages they would not get under any other circumstance. The strongest argument for recognizing a reverse bad faith cause of action can be made where the insured commits fraud when making a claim under a first-party policy. In most succinct of the explanations from those cases that allow or consider a reverse bad faith decision, the Ohio Supreme Court refused to recognize a claim for reverse bad faith where the insured made a fraudulent claim and then sued in torts alleging bad faith and the refusal to pay. The court in Toklas and Sons v. Midwestern Indemnity, a 1992 decision, explained, quote, This court has never recognized such a tort and refuses to do so now. As the holder of the purse strings, the insurer has a certain built-in protection from such evils. On the other hand, the insured, who often finds himself in dire financial straits after a loss, must have the equal footing which is provided by the ability to sue the insurer for bad faith. There are other avenues for the insurer to pursue in the event that an insured submits a fraudulent claim. An insurer drafts the policy. It can refuse the insured's claim and could assert a cause of action against the insured for fraud. Close quote. Logically, and as applied before common holly, insureds who were wronged by their insurers limited their recovery to contract damages. They should be compelled to waive the tort and sue an assumpsit, the common law name for breach of contract. If the tort of bad faith must exist, it must be applied 
equally. The abuse of the tort of bad faith has become so extreme that the tort must, in my opinion, be eliminated, since the weight of authority is that no matter how reasonable are the arguments to do away with the tort of bad faith, that tort must be applied fairly and equally to both insureds and insurers, and if that is impossible, the tort of bad faith is contrary to the requirements of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and its requirement for equal protection. An insurer who is wronged by its insured should have the same right to tort damages and punitive damages for breach of the covenant as can the insured. No litigant should ever be more equal than another in the application of the law. And any insurer, at least, who is the victim of fraud should always bring a separate tort action for fraud against an insured who tries to defraud the insurer. But it cannot bring a breach of the tort of bad faith case because of the decisions of various courts of appeal who simply do not wish to apply the 14th Amendment to insurance cases. This video was adapted from my book, It's Time to Abolish the Tort of Bad Faith, which will be available from Amazon.com as both a Kindle book and as a paperback on and after the first of the year 2021. Thank you for your attention, and please subscribe to my YouTube and Rumble channels and to my blog so that you can be advised of future videos.